Hi, this is Steve Bowes, and you are listening to Radical Research, a new conversation in HCM Research with host Madeline Lerano on the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network. Remember to subscribe to Radical Research and all the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network shows wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to Radical Research, the latest podcast to join the HR Happy Hour Network. My name is Madeline Lerano, and I am the host of Aptitude Research, the founder of Aptitude Research, and the host of Radical Research. And I'm thrilled to be here today, joined by Dr. Patricia Hibbard, Chair and Professor of the Department of Global Health at Boston University. Dr. Hibbard, thank you for joining us. You're an expert and scholar on global health and public health. And we are all sitting here very concerned and worried about coronavirus, thinking about the impact of coronavirus on our day-to-day lives and how we interact with our employers and should we be going to work, should we be traveling? So there are so many questions that I know that I'm hearing and the research that we do and the companies we talk to, and I'm thrilled that you're here to be talking with us and helping to clear up some of the confusion I think many of us have and talking about how this impacts the workforce. So thank you so much, Pat, for joining us and welcome to Radical Research. Thank you very much. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. Wonderful. So I'm hoping you could share with us a little bit about your background and your role at at Boston University and an area of study. Absolutely. Um, I am a practicing infectious disease physician at uh, Boston uh, Medical Center, and uh, I have had extra training in uh, epidemiology. Uh, But over the years, my uh, research uh, and clinical focus has been working on finding better ways to diagnose, prevent, and treat uh, respiratory infections, particularly in uh, children and uh, from a global health perspective, particularly uh, from uh, reducing deaths from childhood uh, pneumonia. Uh, That work has taken me all over the world, uh, particularly to India in uh, Asia and several countries in Africa. And uh, in the past, I've also uh, uh, helped uh, the CDC when they were studying the uh, Ebola virus uh, uh, vaccine uh, in uh, Sierra Leone in uh, 2015. I came to uh, Boston University in uh, 2016 and head up the Department of Global Health that has uh, uh, researchers focusing not only just on respiratory viruses, but other uh, major global health problems. So impressive. Uh, That's amazing. And, And your background and experience, not just as a scholar, but, you know, really traveling the world and um, experiencing, you know, what what countries are going through with infectious disease. So amazing. And, you know, I think what we're, what we're seeing today with coronavirus is that there's so much news out there. There's so much information. And it's confusing. It's, I know it's confusing for me. I'm hoping you could give us a little bit of insight into where we're at today. Well, what do we know and what don't we know about this disease right now? Absolutely. First of all, uh, today's facts are basically that around the world, there are close to uh, 100,000 
known cases of uh, coronavirus, and sadly, um, 3,201 deaths. In the United States, as of this morning, uh, we have 126 confirmed cases and uh, sadly, nine deaths. So that is uh, one uh, version of the facts. But uh, although we may be fairly certain of the number of deaths uh, caused by coronavirus, we are way less certain about the number of people in the world who have any type of infection with coronavirus, because if people haven't been tested, they're not counted in the uh, denominator to understand how many people might be dying of uh, coronavirus. So what is happening around the world is that countries are doing exactly what they should be doing at the moment, which is increasing their surveillance to try and find out how many people have a coronavirus and clearly uh, and, and we're talking about this novel uh, coronavirus not just any yeah. coronavirus uh, but the bottom line is uh, we are almost by definition going to be increasing the denominator every day because we're looking in a way that we weren't just a few days ago. So although the number of cases is increasing rapidly, we're doing everything that we possibly can to increase those number of uh, cases so we can figure out what to do with people who are carrying and symptomatic with the coronavirus. So that is what is making it so hard uh, to get um, accurate news about uh, how serious this uh, disease is. I mean, clearly it is serious in certain people, but we really don't know what the denominator is and we are doing everything that we can to increase it. So it really does sound uh, very concerning that the number of cases is growing exponentially, but it, it's an important and deliberate part of tracking where we are right now. So what do we know? We know the facts I've uh, just mentioned. What don't we know is unfortunately quite a lot about this novel virus. Novel is meaning it's new in humans. We hadn't seen it before December, uh, mid-December 2019. And so there are many, many uh, aspects of this disease we don't know. Um, that is making it uh, seem very scary at this time point. Yeah, it's it's so interesting, and there's so much you know information out there. I think for me, it's hard to know what sources of information to follow. You know, I, we tend to go to the news outlets and and find out information. I know I do that when I'm when I'm traveling, but. From your point of view, is there a better source of information? Should we be looking at CDC, um, World Health Organization? What's, what's the best source of information for you know, people in the workforce looking to really understand more about where we're at with this disease? I feel most comfortable obtaining information from the CDC and the World Health Organization. 
Um, they're obviously uh, working very hard on trying to get the most accurate data from uh, each uh, country. And uh, quite frankly, I'm quite concerned um, about uh, data that uh, is uh, coming from other sources uh, as far as uh, being sure that uh, the data are accurate. So I, I would agree with you, CDC and WHO, um, and also health officials uh, in the state, uh, the departments of health who work uh, closely with the CDC. The local, yeah, the local health departments, that's great advice. How prepared do you think we are as a country um, or need to be as a country at this point? I think we're getting better on a daily basis. Um, I think we were a little slow uh, to be testing perhaps as widely as we needed to be testing. Uh, for example, I know the uh, uh, initial problems uh, related to availability of uh, testing for the uh, coronavirus and uh, um, also uh, limitations on whom should be tested. We now clearly understand that it's not just people who uh, have been traveling who need uh, testing. It's uh, also not people who have been exposed just to people who have known coronavirus. Clearly the respiratory symptoms of interest now essentially include any respiratory symptom, which, in, which is fever, cough, shortness of breath, um, etc. All of these are um, uh, symptoms uh, that uh, could easily lead to coronavirus testing, and we're doing much more of that in the United States. One of the things that uh, is important is uh, that if people are tested, the testing is done in an approved laboratory, not just any laboratory. Um, so we need testing to be done in facilities that actually know how to look for these um, uh, novel viruses such as uh, coronavirus uh, or COVID-19. Anybody who goes to a hospital or doctor's office that is linking to the state uh, should have access to the appropriate testing. I think that's such a good point. I mean, I've seen even articles about home tests that people are going to be able to start buying. And, you know, it really needs to be done by a professional in a laboratory. And I think that, you know, that's certainly not information that I've been hearing. So I think that's a great point. What about from, for employers? What responsibility do you think that they have or will need to have to be able to protect their employees as we think about um, whether it's testing or looking for symptoms or taking temperature uh, for employees in the workforce? So I think uh, honestly what makes the most sense is to follow the CDC uh, guidance uh, on this because I think it's really difficult um, for people to be thinking about setting up testing uh, programs in uh, particular facilities. But certainly the CDC has been recommending that when people have symptoms, 
that they stay home rather than go into work, which you know is clearly going to expose people in the population as they travel and then in the work, uh, if they're coughing and sneezing, uh, it's going to expose people in uh, the workplace. Now, clearly, not every cough and cold is going to be due to uh, this COVID-19. Uh, <laughs> many of these uh, uh, coughs and colds are going to be due to traditional respiratory uh, viruses that circulate every year. Um, and the risk still does seem to be on the low side, but we don't know for sure. So I think following that CDC uh, guidance probably makes the most sense rather than necessarily setting up uh, screening uh, programs in uh, the workplace. What this means is that it's going to be really useful for employers to make sure that their employees, excuse me, um, can easily uh, access whatever they need to uh, access to work at home, um, you know, VPNs or whatever, and, uh, you know, uh, not to uh, um, get concerned uh, when people clearly do have symptoms and uh, should be following uh, this recommendation. So I think it's, I think at this stage, it probably makes the most sense for people to stick solidly with the CDC recommendations. Uh, these are obviously being reviewed all the time um, and probably are the best circumstance for uh, uh, updating uh, recommendations. So they are the most appropriate and relevant uh, to uh, the population and therefore uh, best for public health. I think that's great advice, Pat. I think that, you know, there's been so much talk about companies creating their own policies and spending time doing that, but following CDC, making sure that employees have the resources they need, whether it's to work remotely or, you know, be able to, um, you know, take care of what they need to take care of and, and be able to still participate in the workforce. Um, and I think also being flexible with paid time off, um, not necessarily having to use sick days and, you know, making sure that employees, if they are truly sick, can stay home and feel comfortable doing so without that of impacting their pay. I think that's and a think great additional point. So there's a lot of talk about travel. I travel quite a bit for work. I'm sure you do as well. And I'm starting to get concerned and I, I definitely don't scare easily with, with travel, but wondering uh, what your thoughts are on traveling for employees. We, we're seeing already so many companies like Amazon, which have changed their travel policies for employees. Uh, what, what's your, your thoughts on how that will um, continue to, to impact employees? Are we going to continue to see companies putting um, restrictions on travel? I suspect so. Um, I would imagine that uh, companies are also paying a lot of attention to uh, the CDC uh, recommendations, which clearly are focusing on non-essential uh, travel um, to uh, uh, several locations where uh, there has been widespread uh, sustained and ongoing uh, transmission of uh, the coronavirus. 
Um, so I, I would imagine that uh, all of us uh, uh, should be paying attention to those restrictions at the moment. Uh, clearly, there are two aspects uh, to consider. You know, every time we travel, we may also have to transit through some of these countries at risk. And uh, uh, therefore, uh, it's not only, uh, you know, where we're starting from, but where we need to transit uh, as well as uh, where we need to get to, where we need to uh, pay attention to the ongoing uh, uh, recommendations from the CDC. And it seems prudent to uh, uh, restrict uh, non-essential uh, travel. And uh, uh, certainly at the moment, it looks like the airlines are being very flexible with this um, as well in terms of allowing people to change uh, their um, reservations and whatnot. And appropriately, the airlines are also very concerned about their own personnel potentially mm -hmm. uh, being exposed. So I think, uh, again, I, I think the easiest and most logical thing to do is to align with the CDC uh, recommendations, just because uh, they're in close contact with the World Health Organization, really do have you know, perhaps the best information about what we should be doing. And uh, things can change very quickly and uh, uh, people uh, just need uh, to be able to adapt to that. I think, I think it's great advice. I think I will be reading <laughs> everything on the CDC after this, after this interview. I know, um, I'm sure other people will as well. And they, they really seem to do a great job of updating the information every day. So, you know, I think to me, it feels like a, a safe source of information. Yes, and I, I think also the um, WHO is uh, having daily briefings, uh, etc. So everybody realizes that yesterday's information is as good as yesterday's information. We need yeah. now information. So Pat, I'm hoping we could talk a little bit about something that I'm excited about. It's a seminar that you are hosting and moderating at Boston University this month and it's on coronavirus. So I'm hoping you can share with us a little bit about, about that seminar. Absolutely. No, I'm delighted uh, that uh, Dean Galea, who is uh, one of the uh, public health uh, leaders in the world, um, is uh, putting a focus on this. Dean Galea will be introducing uh, the uh, symposium and uh, uh, the uh, panel of the uh, speakers are truly experts um, in uh, many relevant and different areas. And so I think what this is going to do is give us the opportunity, <coughs> excuse me, not only to hear from the experts, but also uh, for uh, the audience to ask uh, questions and uh, the experts who are going to be at the panel include uh, Dr. Nahid uh, Bedalia, who um, is uh, an expert uh, uh, nationally and globally in emergency preparedness for emerging infectious diseases. Uh, she is also a practicing infectious disease physician. Uh, Dr. David Hamer is a, uh, also an infectious 
disease uh, physician practicing at Boston Medical Center, who has extensive public health uh, expertise and uh, uh, has been focusing on the coronavirus uh, recently, nationally and globally. Dr. Ron Corley is um, a basic scientist with uh, significant expertise in emerging infectious diseases and will be able to address uh, questions relating to this virus um, uh, specifically. And uh, Dr. Dr. Wendy Mariner um, is a, uh, a professor of ethics and public health and will be able to address the many questions related to what are the um, what, what are we going to do if uh, we have to shut things down in uh, the U.S. as other countries uh, have been doing, shutting down schools, uh, etc. What are the ethics associated with that? What are our responsibilities, etc. So it's a really novel uh, panel that uh, Dean Galea has uh, put together. My job will be to moderate it, make sure people have enough time uh, to uh, ask questions because although we can hear from experts, there are so many questions. And for me, the focus is going to be answering questions. I know that all the speakers will be available after the event for a, a period of time to continue addressing questions. So if questions aren't answered, during uh, the event, uh, you know, people are very much encouraged to send in uh, questions. It will be live streamed and we will have ways for questions to be uh, come in from people who are not physically uh, present. But the whole point of this is to answer people's questions, not answer our questions. So I very much hope that uh, people will feel excited and comfortable answering any question they might have. I respect that so much. I think that it's such an opportunity to, for people that want to be there in person or to listen through the live stream to, to, to get their, their questions answered. And I don't see a lot of opportunities to do that. So I think that's tremendous and you know, think it's wonderful that, that you're moderating this panel and that Boston University is hosting it. So. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm definitely excited to, to attend. And I think the big question as we wrap up here, for me anyway, is how much is going to change from our conversation today and, uh, you know, the, the two weeks until, until the panel actually happens? Well, it's almost less than two weeks now. And, uh, you know, if it was two weeks, I would say it could be radically different. But even with one week, it could be radically Great. different. And, you know, I hope... Uh, you know, the, the comments that uh, uh, both of us have made today, uh, you know, are relevant for today. But, you know, if things change tomorrow, uh, that, uh, you know, the recommendations from the CDC will uh, move along with that. And it is well possible things have changed and the questions people will have uh, in a week's time may be so different from the questions people will have even today. So I think it's a good chance to see how well I did with some of my answers. Are they good enough <laughs> to sustain the, uh, the test of time? Maybe not. And uh, 
honestly, I'm 100% open to that because quite frankly, if I really thought I knew the answer uh, based on where we are today, I think I would be making a huge mistake. So please come and check us out, see how we're doing in a few days time. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Pat. This has really helped change the way I'm thinking about getting information and thinking about how to cover this, this important topic and how it impacts the workforce. So thank you for educating me. I've learned so much. I know everybody that's listening has also learned so much too. And I'm really looking forward to, to the symposium in, in a very short period of time. <laughs> so um, thank you so much. And absolutely, uh, from my point of view, very much uh, look forward to meeting you. And uh, anybody listening to this podcast, uh, you're very welcome uh, to join us uh, live stream. As many people as we can take in person, uh, we will be uh, delighted uh, to uh, welcome you. Thank you so much.